Please listen carefully. G'day. You're listening to City Speak with Greg Van and Stephen Yarwood, a podcast about cities by people who love cities and want you to love your city too. Hey, Stephen, we're in Auckland. Oh, it was a great end to a fantastic trip, but it was nice to spend a few days in what is a sort of a really world-class city, isn't it? It is, and it's come a long way in 10 years. You know, you'll hear people say, oh, I don't like Auckland, but it's usually when they haven't been there for a while, and it's really changed a lot. But what this was exciting. You know, what, we, what we're doing with this podcast is something different for us, isn't it? We went live. Also, just got to say, speaking of which, the, the staff were great. Turn the volume down sort of help us set up. But we did do something different, and, and yeah. it was a great opportunity to get some of your mates to get some of their mates to go to the pub and have a drink and we ended up doing a uh, a really interesting chat with lots of different people in in short space of time yeah they have an organization of sorts called urban nerds in in auckland and uh our, our good friend darren davis sort of coordinated that so we had 20 or 30 people there and we heard from people from all different walks of life what they think about their city and what they what the city is doing well and could do better so let's get stuck into it eh? yeah there's all sorts of accents, all sorts of opinions. It's very entertaining. We'd uh, love you to share this episode far and wide because there are some really great people doing great things. Okay, Greg, we're live. I know. We, we are alive and we're live and I'm really excited, which is unusual. I've, this is the first podcast I've ever been really excited about, apart from all the other ones we've done, which no, have been great. You're, you're always excited. <laughs> and there's a bit of background noise, isn't there? There is. So where are we? We're in Auckland, where, which our guests can say for us in the Maori language. And Tomaki Makauro. There we go. Thank you. And greet us in Maori yeah. too. Can you greet us in, in the Maori language? My name's Darren Davis and I will be your first guest this afternoon on this podcast. Darren is my, like in a lot of the cities where I've been to around the world, there's one person who has been the person who's got me to know most of the people I know. In Auckland, it's Darren. So I really appreciate that, Darren. It's been a great friendship that I treasure. Great. Thank you. Darren, maybe just very quickly, we should ask you to introduce us. Well, let's talk about the Urban Nerds. So we are at a pub having beers. There's beers everywhere. There's a really lovely uh, group of uh, really interesting people over here that we're going to interview, but... Well, Urban Nerds Auckland was inspired by its counterpart in our nation's capital, Wellington, and they have regular monthly catch-ups for any people involved in city building, um, sustainable transport, and um, bringing place and movement together. And I thought it would be a jolly good idea to copy from the nation's capital and bring it to Auckland, and especially with great celebrity guests such as your good selves. Darren, one of the things I love about Auckland and and, and what happens here um, and the people I've met through you is that people who are not professional city builders who get involved in this conversation. There's really quite a strong movement of people, isn't there, that are, are, are outside the professionals, if you like. Yes, well, this cool. Urban Nerds creates this opportunity to bring all of those people together in a, a social context where we're not just talking to each other via Twitter or other forms of social media and to discover, you know, making connections in real life, forming bonds and just uh, knowing that there's a community out there that's kind of supportive of the uh, sustainable direction and that we're not in it alone. Let's get down to tin tacks here, Darren. What's one great thing about Auckland and what's one thing that needs a fair bit of attention? Uh, one great thing about Auckland is that they 
we're ambitious and we want to be much better as a city and that we're prepared to learn from other places and to and to make some big moves. And if you're looking about something that's really frustrating is that sometimes we make it really hard to do things that are really simple. For example, you talk about reallocation of parking spaces or creating protected cycleways. Yeah, things like that can often involve years of community engagement and where the conversation could be driven by a small group of opponents rather than by positive outcomes for for the city. Fantastic. And well, and where do you think Auckland's going to go in the future? Sort of what, what are some of the key things that you would really like to see change in the in the short and medium term? I'm a transit nerd by heart. A tra- and train fanatic too. We've had that conversation. Oh, yes, indeed. So I've seen the city kind of evolve and effectively build a rapid transit network or the core of a rapid transit network from scratch over the last 20 years. City Rail Link will open in the city in two to three years' time. That forms a really good building block for, for building a proper region-wide rapid transit network is the thing that stitches all of the parts of the city together without the requirement for a car. So I think that's building that out is a really crucial move. Building out a critical mass of safe, protected cycleways across the city so that people can have other choices other than cars. As I like to say, cars are often chosen for people by the absence of other choices. So you've got to have those other great choices in place so that people can make those other choices. And I think... Yeah, you know, Auckland's ambition is wonderful. So, Darren, thanks for sharing a few bits of wisdom with us and uh, we'll uh, we'll pass the baton on to one of your colleagues. Great, thanks very much. Right, now our next guest is uh, a really interesting character too, Greg. So uh, do you want to warn our listeners about our next guest? You've got to dig the, word, you know, the words out of him. He's usually stuck for a word and I really find it difficult, you know, to sort of get him to talk. With. He's, uh, he's like me, he, he loves a chat. But uh, Patrick Reynolds, I, I, I'll let you... Say introduce yourself in a minute, but I'm going to say, well, I'm going to say, Patrick, who the hell are you? But yeah, you yeah. go, Greg. No, no, but I, I, I met Patrick through uh, an organisation called Greater Auckland, and 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 it's this um, I call them the urban urbanist mafia. But they uh, there's this wonderful, I suppose, network of people that are, that care about the future of this city and have actually done something about it. I know you have an official capacity now, and you know, tell us a bit about all of your roles. Uh, kia ora, Koto. Um, I'm currently a director of. Waka Kutahi, the New Zealand Transport Agency um, and I came to that position via a similar role at Auckland Transport but before that as you've said from advocacy. And, and tell us about Greater Auckland, what, you know it's, um, who is it and what do they do? Well it's, it's, a while, it's quite a while it's three years since I've, I've been there but the principal, there's a, a bunch of people, it's uh, unpaid entirely advocates especially led by Matt Lowry who's a kind of lifer. Yep, we spoke to Matt the yeah, other day. Oh, yeah, great, he, he tunes out um, you know, a, a lot of posts overnight while holding down a full-time job and a young family and uh, of amazing quality, uh, as do other contributors to the site. It's, a, it's essentially a, a website, a blog site with, with five unique posts a week on urban form and transport issues, in, principally in Auckland, but the, the whole country. Yeah, and can, if I can say, one thing that I'm really inspired about this Auckland community that we don't necessarily see in other places is this, this community of advocates who don't work for a mayor, a minister or a manager and are able to advocate from the outside and I, Matt and yourself are two fantastic examples of people that you know don't actually have to worry about you know getting a job in this space.
space because you you can be from the outside really strongly advocating. And I really admire that, Patrick. Well, I, I used to joke that a, an advocate is simply a, a lobbyist that doesn't know how to invoice or, or, or has no one to invoice, essentially, because they're, they're working for the citizen or for the yeah. nation or for the city, right? Yeah, and so, but uh, it, some of us end up getting roles so that we have to stop doing that. So. But I know that uh, the blog, you know, the, the Greater Auckland is read by most of the politicians. They want to know what you're thinking, aren't they, and what you're saying. And people in the sector, yeah, but, uh, technocrats as well. So, Patrick, you know, let's get down to... Uh, talking about Auckland specifically what what's one great thing about the city and what's one thing you'd like to see a lot better well maybe this might be a frustrating answer but I I think that the most obvious great thing about the city is its potential it's an um, amazing geography and humanity you know it's one of the most diverse cities in the world it has a very diverse racial mix although I'd have to say it's quite segregated so that diversity you often see in clumps rather than mixed together and that's a problem so in terms of moving on to the problem housing affordability transport poverty equity are the are the glaring the glaring problems but the potential thing i just want to stay on that a bit longer because everywhere has potential right but the really interesting thing about auckland this this century is that it's gone through a kind of proof of concept phase where a whole lot of work was done especially in uh, the transport area and in urban form that was immediately taken up by people. Ridership had year on year compounding growth on public transport from a low base but right up to the pandemic it was like 7% compounding which is really huge. On the back of investment so electrification of the of the small rail network reorganisation of the, of the bus network which was really well done by Auckland transport and integrated fares and ticketing is a really important part of that as well but on top of that we had a really strong design office at the council unfortunately no longer there but they generated a vision a future vision for the city that has in some parts been delivered uh, as you will have seen on the waterfront Key Street and also Kolmitichanga Square down on outside yeah. I've taken photos with this idea if Auckland can do it by God Australian cities can do it and you know whilst there's always more to do I really admire what's been done in in the inner city and and Ludo Campbell-Reed and uh, Ludo led a really a team of really talented urban designers and their the work that they put out a thing called the City Centre Master Plan um, which is now 10 years old and it's only uh, been partially executed is this really strong piece of visioning and very practical extremely practical and like I say there's been proof of concept, everything that, that has been done from that has worked. Yeah the, uh, the you know it's, it's great to have vision so you know where you're aiming isn't it yeah. but I did want to connect the thread about those three things you identified um, transport poverty, equity and housing affordability, these are not you, individual, they're all connected they're aren't all they? connected and especially housing unaffordable and transport poverty are, are two sides of the same coin. You know, they, they used to say in the States, you know, drive till you qualify. That idea that driving is has no cost in time or money is, is absurd. It's, and it's no longer true. Uh, it's no longer true in the States, but it's certainly not true here. So you can't just shove uh, lower-income people further and further away from employment and education. And also people are smart about this. You know, when people are looking to rent or 
buy a place. They calculate, how am I going to get to work? How am I going to get to university? I mean, they do that on an individual level. But one of the tragedies of the modernist era, say the post-war era, has been the separation of transport planning and land use planning into two different cadres. It's, it's, that, that too is coming back together. It certainly is at Wakakotahi. Because they, in a sense, transport investment is, me, is a means to an end. It isn't an end in itself. And land use and is, is, a, is essentially the measure of whether it's succeeding or not. Yeah, I mean, that, that, like I've, I've said for a long time that when you get transport and land use integrated, you get a good place. If you don't, you've got trouble. I want to ask one more question if I can. We're lying out someone. Patrick's got a pen that says Carbon Zero Hero and he's, he's been prone to speak his mind. So I wanted to ask you, Patrick, but no one in New Zealand is ever going to listen to this podcast. You can say <laughs> whatever you like. There can be controversial. I was going to say, if you were to run for mayor, what would be your one pet project, transformational project for, for downtown Auckland? And go hard, bro. I, well, I mean, the simple thing is the, the, the council already has a really good carbon plan called the, with a terrible name called the TURP, Transport Emissions Reduction Plan. That just needs to be completed, if you, if you like. And I think the really key fast track, yeah, so there's a, a, a logistics company, a company in New Zealand called Main Freight that has a motto that I really like. Very successful company, an international company. Their motto is ready, fire, aim. They get on with it. It's incredibly clever. Of course, I'm, you know, aiming is good too, but, but you, can, you can get moving. Fantastic. Thanks, Patrick. We'll, we'll see you at bar in a minute. Yeah, thanks so much, Patrick. Pippo, lovely to see you. Good to see you. Yeah. Welcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just sit there, uh, Stephen. Hi, I'm Stephen. Lovely to meet you. We're, we're meeting people as we go. So this is. So it's lovely to see you, Pippa. I, it's been um, it's been the best part of three years since I've been here, and and uh, things have changed in your life, of course. I, I hear. Which very sad to hear that, by the way. Pippa was a former member of the city council uh, in Auckland, and uh, and the tide went the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. Well, this happens, doesn't it? But uh, you've been part of this movement to get Auckland you know better for a long time I first met you you're on one of the local boards and stepped up to the council what what motivates you what gets you out of bed in the morning to do this stuff well I think what I've realized after 12 years of being on council and then suddenly tipped out in a sort of unexpected way is that the things that drive me and the passions I have continue that were there before I was on council and now I continue afterwards and that that really is about around particularly around active transport and and making the city a better place that's healthier more connected more accessible vibrant and um yeah that, that's what still still keeps driving me i'm not sure in what role i will be pursuing that but yeah you might end up being an urban futurist if you're not careful <laughs> uh, and we haven't met each other I was, i'm the former lord mayor of adelaide and, uh, and and i work as a futurist so oh no i think we met when um very briefly when i came to adelaide for velo city were you in that role then in 2015, 2014? Yeah, and I brought Velo City to Adelaide, so that was my thing. So. Yeah, and then I came to a workshop afterwards. Oh, fantastic. The Velo City. Now, who invited me? Someone came to that. I think you presented it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, it's great to see you <laughs> again. 
The light path is worth mentioning because it's, uh, in fact, Pippa, do you want to describe that? Because uh, we assume that many people listening wouldn't know what the light path is. Yeah, and the light path is just an informal name, but it's a bit of a redundant motorway that was a a very scary off-ramp that was always intended to be closed at some point. And then I I think it had been not used for quite a long time when some rearrangements happened of an interchange. And so there had been for quite a long time ideas about how could this old motorway be used. And then, of course, people were very inspired by New York and the High Line and thinking, oh, we could do something like that. And then um, it came out of kind of advocates pushing for it to be more of a connection because it connects quite a significant chunk of the city centre. And then things moved quite fast when the government at the time put some money into urban cycling and it got opened as as a connection and painted pink. So actually the pink path is the informal name and it is called Ta'arafiti, which is the light the light path, you're right, yeah. Yeah, and then it's become kind of interconnected with the sky tower that gets lit up and the harbour bridge and the light path can all be um, synced. Yeah, and I like this notion of actually mentioning the harbour bridge and the, the sky tower. It's like So they're three iconic projects that define not only the present of Auckland but the future of Auckland in, in many ways as well. That's so we're going to ask you two particular questions, uh, Pippa, and Stephen's going to ask them. So um, what, what do you think that is the best thing about Auckland? Certainly as an elected member, you're passionate. What makes Auckland unique? You know, what, what, what defines Auckland? What, what do you think is the, what makes it special? Well, the easy one to answer for that is definitely the natural environment, the, like the location and the fact, you know, it's called Tamaki Makoto, the place desired by many and because it's always been a place where since the first people arriving have wanted to be here is it's a magnificent harbour and, and great landscape. But of course, it's not just the environment, it's also the people that are here. Like, it's a really multicultural city built on kind of the biculturalism, which is becoming more and more a unique selling point about, about Auckland. Yeah, and even just being down at the train station and the announcements are now in Maori as well, which is really super cool. And there's been a tremendous amount of work. We're also doing an episode on Maori culture as it relates to urbanism and, and, and their understanding of the land and, and the future of cities in the country as well. So we've learned a lot on, on this trip. What about the future? What, what, what do you think of the... If you uh, had clean slather if you were, dare I say, mayor, and no one in New Zealand is ever going to listen to this episode, so you can just say whatever, whatever you want. Uh, what, what do you think would be one transformational project or, or something that you think that really needs to be pushed that much harder in Auckland? Well, I'm going to have to say that creating a fully integrated connected cycling network in the way that cities have done it quickly, like Seville and, and other places where it's happened really quickly, and then people just being able to get around. Like, I mean, the thing that drives everyone crazy here is the traffic and the congestion. And It is a very sort of car-centric it's city. It's so car-centric, and it just doesn't need to be. Like, we're so locked in this mindset that this is how it has to be. And of course it has to be, you know, obviously cycling's not going to unlock all the congestion. It's got to be mixed up with all, like, the rapid transport and everything. But if we just had that connected network, it would just overnight change people's view about how they get around their neighbourhoods. People actually, uh, ultimately, that what it, if you make it easy, they will do it. At the moment, we're trying to make 
the hardest thing easy and failing spectacularly. Yeah, yeah. So it's not just Auckland's problem. No, (laughs) and unfortunately we've got a new mayor who's now saying we've got to give what people people what they want and they want to drive. So we need to now be focusing more on roads because that's what people want. It's like so and going back to 20th century thinking, and it's really depressing. One thing I like to say is we've spent our entire life looking out of car windows, so we assume that that's the right thing to do. It's just we've done it our whole lives, but that's actually only the last sort of hundred years in a in the history of humanity, which is hundreds, if not thousands, or tens of thousands of years. It's about sort of contextualising how change works, and so that's a really important point. So, Pippa, thanks, sir. thanks for joining us we've got to get the next up so we've uh, we've moved to um the uh the 20s we're in the 20s um we've got uh, scoot with us scoot can you like to tell us a bit about who you are and why you're here yeah so i i, I tweet about urban development uh housing particularly transport to a lesser extent and yeah I, I just love auckland i want it to be much better i have concerns generally about housing affordability but also carbon emissions climate change accessibility generally yeah and i met scoot and i said so what do you do and he said i tweet yeah i thought which that I was a great very cool. nice so work what, what's mate? your day job Tw- scoot do you on, on a day-to-day basis i'm a software engineer so i'm, I'm kind of fortunate insofar as i'm outside the the transport industry so i can advocate in a very public way not constrained you know i, I can say what i think but i have lots of friends in the transport and urban planning industry so I can talk to them and consult get a good idea of what's you know what's good what's bad seems to be part of the Auckland way of doing things you know people outside the the, the, the professionals you know that care about the city get involved you know so so what it, when you when you say so let, let's say what is the what's the great thing about Auckland and what's the thing that you'd like to get better what I love about Auckland is it's very multicultural there's lots of opportunities here and it lots of people come here to meet those opportunities I think something like 40 percent of people here are foreign born and then probably a similar number are from elsewhere in New Zealand and have moved here and kind of the, the tragic thing is built environment doesn't reflect the people in this way right it's a very monotonous built well, environment yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you, it's, you um, it. it's anywheresville in lots of places isn't yeah, it? yeah yeah it's many many parts of the city are just endless suburbia and it really doesn't reflect the kind of diversity that it has when in fact many people need you know multi-family living situations many people are singles and just need a little apartment and this kind of diversity doesn't exist so a complete mismatch between the makeup of its population and the housing that's being on offer exactly yeah so it's a it, it's one of the things that as planners we bang on about all the time and it's about not ha- housing diversity that's what planners say and everyone goes boring you know it's like it's just choice isn't it you know giving people genuine choice you know I want to live where I want to live. I have a certain set of needs. You have a different set of needs. All the other people here have a different set of needs. And there just needs to be an array of housing to meet those needs. Yeah, yeah. And so, and, and those needs change as you age. Exactly. If you come from a different culture, you'll have different perspective on them. So greater the variety, the better the choice, the better everyone else. Brilliant. Anything else good? What else have you got well, for us? I was going to ask if you... It's great to have uh, young people so actively involved, um, you know, pretty passionate about young people, you know, planning the future of their cities. If you were the mayor, and <laughs> a big smile, look at that smile, future mayor in the making, what would you fast track or what would be the one thing that you would just push through? So I, I would be championing the current, what we're calling the MPSUD, which is the uh, National Policy Statement on Urban Development, which is enabling six-storey 
storeys um, in areas close to transit and three storeys generally everywhere which allows you know a, a variety of housing typologies and I, I would be thinking a lot about the infrastructure needs to meet this so in terms of making buses vastly more common throughout the city that is currently underserved and rapid transit along major corridors and just cycling everywhere. Oh mate it's great to have you on board and, and honestly I just wish more computer programmers. I, I, I like to think of the idea of city hacking so and, and that really resonates this idea that you can hack and change systems. Cities need hackers as well so keep hacking away and don't just tweet um, engage by other people and it's great to have young people on board so thanks mate really great to have you on board. Oh well who's next? Alec Tang. He's next. So Alec um, in some ways I think you're kind of emblematic of this city uh, because you're you have an interesting history an interesting cultural background but you care deeply about what's going on here and you're in positions where you wish to influence the sustainability of this this place you know so just perhaps it might get you to do a quick introduction of who you are and, and you're, you're, where you're working now and previously? Yeah. I'm currently the Director of Sustainability at Kyang Order. So for those who don't know, Kyang Order is the government's housing, uh, public housing and urban development agency. And prior to that, I uh, looked after the Chief Sustainability Office at Auckland Council. Um, so I spent a lot of time there thinking about this city and how do we make it a greater place than it is? How do we prepare it for some pretty significant climate challenges ahead? But also just how do we build a more cohesive and resilient and integrated urban area? Yeah, it's that big picture uh, lining everything up. You can't solve the housing crisis without transport issues. You can't solve transport without sustainability. It's it's a it's it's all so interconnected. That's the conversation we had when we had our first beer together about a, an hour and a half ago. <laughs> totally, and that's 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 a big challenge, right? You know, how do we look at these issues not in isolation and recognise that we can't just solve housing by building lots of houses without thinking about you know if we have thousands more people in this area. How are they going to move around? How are we going to generate sufficient energy to power them if we went down the electrification route? But also, how, how are we going to deal with congestion if we only look at cars and look at that kind of transport? And that we need these alter- we need different ways of moving people around. So, you know, huge amounts of work. And I think, you know, for me, that's the potential here in the city that I think is so exciting that you've got some fantastic natural environments you guys have seen we're just by the harbour one of our harbours and you went to Onihanga the other of our harbours and you have all these monia these mountains in the middle and this great opportunity to build an urban form with nature and I think that's that's the critical thing right how do we how do you recognize that we need built form but what we need is people to recognize the dependence that we have on the natural environment and that's building nature with our cities right yeah city and nature nature in the city yeah yeah 100 percent right we have one of our biggest challenges we've 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 lost a bit of that link we've forgotten that with with cities which are great but they've they've kind of created this this boundary around us and and that's that's the you know that's that's why we're in a climate crisis a biodiversity crisis is we've forgotten about those inherent natural links that we we need and we need to build them back in. We need to build that awareness. That very that difference between a park in a city versus a city in a park, kind of very simply put. And Alec, I, I know um, you've lived in other parts of the world. You know, you've, you've got that experience. So you don't you don't sort of just look at it for, through an Auckland lens. You've got a bigger lens to look at, and also a great advocate on social media for uh, different ways of getting of doing life. What motivates you? What talk talk a bit about that background? I mean, like, for a cer- to a certain extent, and in, in you know, it's a <laughs> 
we often, we as in the rural we of inner city, we kind of go about our day, right? We just trudge day to day, nine to five, and we just have the the usual traits. And we we don't necessarily open up and go, actually, there's a different way of getting around, doing something different. And that's, that has been the biggest thing for me is to highlight that actually there is other ways of moving. And I love getting around on my bike. I mean, it's funny because I, I never thought I'd be a big cycle advocate. But then I look back and I was like, I used to love riding to school. I ride to work. And it's just fun. I just enjoy it because it's fun. And I want other people to see that fun and to actually get that sense. That, you know, And you kind of go back to your childhood. And you're like, I'm coasting around and you're popping up and you're having a look around and part of part of what I do or I want to do is to share that so other people can get excited and go actually there is another way of getting around the city not just sat in this box sat stationary in this box and not moving anywhere and getting really grumpy so actually I could experience my city by riding on my bike and getting around so I think that's that to me is like how do we experience our cities and we experience it if we open ourselves to actually do that and aren't constrained by a, a built form box or a car box or whatever box that we have and that, that's, that to me is what, what I'm excited about. Yeah, I, I loved, I've loved followed you on social media for some years and follow this guy he's it's, it's a lot of fun, you know, but it's like seeing the world differently. And, and you know and it from, for, for good and for bad and the bad is just highlighting, you know the challenges so that we can change and, and, and I think I think sometimes people don't see that there's, there's an impact, so I think, I think seeing that is really, really important. So we're asking everyone those two questions, what makes you know you've kind of defined Auckland as special you know what what do you think needs to be far I have been saying and I think you'd be a great candidate for mayor I'm not announcing your candidacy at the moment uh, Greg and I didn't even agree on this but uh, you know if you did have the chance what would you fast track or what would you really drive that's going to be that transformational change for Auckland so funnily enough I would say the biggest transformational change for the city is how do we engage people about the city that is the biggest thing we've talked about this like there are many people who probably go about their daily lives and don't understand, don't know what the council does, what it's for, why are we doing this? And and I think that's a real challenge. That's a huge challenge to go, well, why do we... And, and look, I'm on it. Like, honestly, before I joined Portland Council, you know, five, six years ago, I probably wouldn't have been able to say, you know, my rates pay for this or that or the other, or that they pay for people like Michael who come up with visions about where we want to be, what we want to do. And, and we need to find a way of explaining to the people, the public, of, of why your vote's important, why you invest in the city, and why that those those dollars are actually really critical to building the city that is good for everyone. So so for me, and through that, whatever it is, campaigning or whatever, we need to find that better connectivity of people. Because for all the hard infrastructure stuff that you know we all talk about it's that soft infrastructure that connectivity the social cohesion that really kind of will be so critical as we hit lots of challenges whether they're climate related challenges pandemic related challenges all that kind of stuff it's actually the social connections that are so critical and and getting people excited about their city is is for me the biggest thing that we need to yeah, do and i do 
say, till such time as citizens get out of bed and do something differently, we're all just blowing smoke up our own asses, so to speak. Excuse my French, but... Uh, I don't think arse is French, you know. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so thanks, Alex. Yeah. Been, thanks for coming along. And speak, you mentioned Michael, who's our next guest, yeah. Michael Roth. This is really quite, quite weird, I think, in a way, because Michael is uh, from Brisbane, and um, we've never met till t- tonight, you know. We had to come all the way to I thought Auckland. you knew everyone in no, Brisbane, No, I don't, you know, but I... I I know who Michael is and what his role was in Brisbane. Anyway, welcome, Michael. Thanks, Greg. Uh, In our defence, I think you're a planner, I'm a policy geek. So uh, we we went in related circles because we're all about transport, but slightly different. So what brought you here, Michael? Why why the move across the ditch? I suppose a few years ago uh, I was in a position where I had the opportunity to uh, try somewhere else and um, Auckland has a lot of ambition. Auckland's a fantastic city. It's it's a third of the whole population of New Zealand and it's about half of all the growth that New Zealand's expecting. And uh, it's got a lot of ambition to improve its safety performance, improve its uh, uh, emissions and um, and health and so forth. So, so what's your role? I am lead transport advisor for Auckland Council. It's, it's a cool role and, that, and that's kind of why I came here. It's a cool role. I need to point out Auckland Council doesn't actually deliver all the transport system. That's done by Auckland Transport, a separate organisation. It's a council controlled organisation. It has an independent board. So my, my role is, is somewhat relationship management um, with the councillors and with the bureaucrats within council and within Auckland Transport as well as to central government with, with Waka Katahi, the New Zealand Transport Agency and the Ministry of Transport. Did you come here because you saw, you talked about potential, did you see a potential to do things differently here that was going to make a difference? Yeah, well, I mean, Auckland's coming from, uh, I suppose, a position behind the Australian cities in many ways. Things like public transport, the rail system was quite poor. They're investing a lot in it. And um, there is just uh, an atmosphere and a desire when you look at the policies and the strategies um, to, to make a difference, to really improve the city, to compete effectively with the Australian cities and also look to the European cities and find out what it's been done well and try to implement it here. So Auckland is the one big city of New Zealand so if Auckland doesn't get it right then all the young talent from New Zealand ends up in Australia so it's it's really important for the country that Auckland performs well so that we keep all the young talented people, stop them from going overseas um, so uh, the talent stays. Yeah it's also about uh, not only that but setting a role model for other cities you know around New Zealand if, if Auckland can't do it you can't expect anywhere in the country to do it as well. So I have been um, uh, asking people if they were mayor, you know, what sort of project would they fast track? Given you work for the council, I will not ask you that question, um, but given the opportunity, well, what, what motivates you in terms of the things that you would really get you out of bed in the morning and going to work in terms of what's happening now and what you can hopefully achieve in the future? What do you think really needs to be done? We've just put together a transport emissions reduction pathway which is really ambitious. It wants to um, reduce our transport emissions by 64% by 2030. Now, that's probably overly ambitious, but it means there is a real agenda and push to do a lot. That's what gets me up in the morning. And specifically, um, to do that, we don't have the resources to do a lot of road widening projects, so we have to look at repurposing the space. Auckland's a very hilly city, 50 volcanoes. I'm very interested in the electric bikes and the growth in micromobility and using that power assistance to flatten those hills 
and enable a lot more people to get around on their personal mobility device. I think Auckland Auckland was an early adopter of e-scooters along with Brisbane and um, I think Auckland has an opportunity in the next couple of years to really be ahead of the pack in that space. Uh, the rules here are a little bit more friendly for new devices than they are in Australia and um, the electric motors and batteries really will make a difference if we can get some um, repurposing of road space removal of some car parks and the like there's a lot that Auckland can do and perhaps show the rest of the world uh, some good things yeah it's, it's wonderful like e-bikes make every city flat you know Brisbane and Auckland are similar in the hilliness and uh, so it's one of the great barriers removed isn't it you know that uh, and the small electric engine as Stephen often says is is revolutionizing the way we get around uh, can I also uh, before you go there's there's one other one I wanted to touch on, uh, just um, a little bit on Queen Street, because um, that's a transformational project, and uh, you know uh, Queen Street's the, the main street in the in the town centre. So, um, tell us a little bit about what's happening there, or, or, or and you know the story behind it and, the, the, and where it's going. I know it goes down to the waterfront, but you know what I mean. Yeah. So Queen Street is is the high street of the centre of Auckland, sided with retail, town hall, halfway down it. For a- parts of it, it's actually quite a steep street, uh, so it is a difficult street to deal with um, but recently we've just put out just delivered a project that's effectively halved the amount of road space on that corridor. It was a four lane street, it's now a two lane street for most of its length so it's been upgraded with nice public spaces now, ability for for bikes to go on road and off road separate from the pedestrian flow you know, pedestrians are going to meander around shops so there's now a very nice public space and uh, they really constrain the car space so they're really is not much through traffic anymore it's it's effectively a public transport corridor and 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 for service vehicles and and drop off pick up and has it gone for retail has it has it impacted retail activity oh, you had covid though that's important it probably is a bit early to tell but the recent indications are very good new zealand was got covid late but it sort of stayed in covid a bit later than everyone else so it was slow on the uptake but just in recent months it has really picked up and queen street now that it's just opened it's actually feeling really dynamic. It's full with pedestrians now, which was not the case at all just a few months ago. Wonderful. Thanks so much, mate. It's lovely to meet you. Come across the ditch and next on the list, we're doing this all live. We've got people queuing up here. So Karina's going to join us. Come in. Welcome. Welcome, Karina. So Karina, why are you here? Why are you an urban nerd? What's your your part in the world, you know? Uh, Well, thank you for having me. Why am I here? I am here because I know that we can do better. And unfortunately, I found it very hard to do it on my own. It's really important to get together with other people to make things better. And to make things better, we need a sustainable, accessible transport options as well as living options, urban you know, design. And what's your day job, Karina? Are you- I kind of have two day jobs. One's volunteer day job. Uh, the other one I actually get paid for. So the one I get paid for is I do work for Kaing Ora as a senior service designer, so community development uh, in the sustainability um, arm of Kaingo Order and I also volunteer here with uh, Bike Avondale. That sounds like a good pedigree for an urban uh, cities uh, podcast, you know, so that, that idea, two things I want to investigate, like what is it that you want to do better and what is it about the networks that you need to do that? Look, that's uh, a hard one. Um, I think if I were to do things better, it would be reallocating the, most of the money that currently gets spent on roading for cars only and put that into public transport and active modes of transport for sure. 
It's transport poverty is certainly a big problem that I see at Kainga Ora. We have tenants who can't even leave their homes because they can't afford gas. So they're buying their groceries at the dairy, which they cannot afford. So they're starving and they're not able to leave their house. Which yeah, it's is, a feedback loop of, of you know, uh, yeah, it makes it very complicated, doesn't it? Absolutely. You know, and they would love to be able to afford public transport and use public transport to get to the affordable groceries and markets, to get to their doctors and that sort of thing. And all these people are just really missing out. And there's a lot of people who are missing out because of our phenomenally bad support of public transport. So for me, it's public transport and alternate modes and, you know, those 15-minute, 30-minute neighbourhoods. A little bit of a translation. So dairy is um, New Zealand speak for corner store, basically. We call them delicatessens or delis in, in South Australia. Everyone's Do got you? a different name oh, yeah, for them. Yeah, yeah. You, guys, you guys are real fancy, you know. But on the other side of your volunteer work, tell us a bit about that, uh, Karina. And is it, it, which bit of it attracted you to find uh, like-minded? Um, so I think an important part of why I'm involved in Bike Avondale is it's very community grassroots And the other problem that I learned from being a community engagement person for organisations was that you just don't have that lived experience and you don't realise how passionate and capable the grassroots people truly are. And I really wanted to uplift the people on the ground who don't want to interact with organisations for whatever reason or simply never even realise they can interact with organisations. So we do things uh, which involve putting on events that involve cycling and no waste and that sort of thing and that just shows the locals how much fun you can have with active transport Um, so it's about showing the fun and it's also about including the locals so that it's become something that they are actually involved in but yes the reason why I found myself needing to come to Urban Nerds is that it has gotten lonely Um, it has been hard work working with our transport sector it's just an uphill battle and full of frustrations, full of making recommendations for safety and then watching someone die because they ignored us. People are leaving. We're dropping off. You know, we had a team of Bike Avondale of five people. It's now just me because everyone's exhausted and I'm pretty exhausted. Yeah, well, well, I hope you found your tribe here because one of the things we observe about Auckland is that there is this wonderful network collective of people who care about the future of the city and they're doing it in their spare time or their day job or both in your case so you know don't give up there are people around you who care that want to help you do what you're doing yeah and it's really lovely to have you here and uh, and uh, keep up the good work it's fantastic thanks, very much. thanks so much we've only met terribly briefly and i'm absolutely appalling with names so we're going to get you to introduce yourself okay tamara is hi my tamara name. that's hi. right yeah and you're, <laughs> you're actually you used to live in auckland but you're you're clearly an aussie and you're over here on on holidays just catching up with some people yeah yeah so i'm here for a friend's birthday i left about a year and a half ago and i lived here for two years and you're an architect or i'm a designer? landscape architecture background even better i have to admit yep working as an urban designer what do you think about auckland I mean, I come back here because I love it, but I love it mainly for me. It's the the people that I love here because I think everyone's very kind and I think people are kind of, everyone is trying to do good, you know, and make positive change and I'm surrounded by like-minded people and it's small enough to enable that kind of interconnectedness of people that are kind of working in different spheres but all towards a common purpose. I think that's something that doesn't happen in big cities.
cities like Sydney and it's really disconcerting and kind of sad to kind of feel like you're lost in this sea of people that are kind of just busily trying to survive in a big city and they're not able to you know achieve their potential and perhaps pursue things that actually that they care about you know so big cities for me are like I've struggled going back and I think this scale is the perfect scale like a million people or whatever I think is the um, big cities have a hardness about them don't they which you don't feel here the competitiveness is the main thing there's absolutely zero competitiveness yeah well there's more of a sense of getting together to do good things than I think that's a really important thing this zero competitiveness is a really really important part of the culture of transformation that a community can make in not only in their profession uh, but then how they create a positive culture that then actually bleeds out into the community and the elected members and executives and management it's about optimism isn't it really and, a col- and collaboration so so what do, what do you think um, Auckland's sort of in, t- in a spatial sense uh, from a city sort of urban design landscape architect perspective what is what is its real strengths for me I think I didn't own a car here for instance um, and I had a bike and for me it felt like a condensed version of Sydney so I think the inner city of Auckland still has all the immediate periphery has quite a diversity actually of still got mixed communities you know I lived in Grayland and there was quite a lot of Samoan families and you know we had the local market but I was five minutes to you know what is Sydney's like King Street and kind of grunge and music I was 10 minute cycle ride to the CBD I was five minutes to Herne Bay and kind of you know the wealthy areas but it felt like there was kind of this proximity of diversity which I really liked and it was I was able to kind of experience all that with a bike and not I, need I a car. I also convenience instance. and the you don't have to have a car you can get around by yeah. without having it yeah and I mean I know that it is sprawled and I didn't have to kind of deal with that I know that there's greenfields developments going on but I you know Wynyard Quarter is a, quite a good example for me of which is where we are we didn't talk about where that. Well, oh, we're here. We, yeah, we we're yeah, well, yeah. if that's the case, can you fill us in, fill in some gaps for those of, uh, of our listeners that haven't been to Auckland? What exactly is Wynyard Quarter? So Wynyard Quarter is a kind of waterfront industrial precinct that has now been turned into a mixed-use living, working, entertainment precinct that is, you know, really successful. But I think the density scale relationships and the intimacy of the streets and the lanes and the connectivity and permeability of it, I think, um, and diversity of building typology. I think is really successful. That was a fantastic description, and of course, it's old, just old enough now that the the landscape is really starting to mature, and it's becoming a, a part of the the culture of Auckland, um, not only for for uh, guests and and tourists, and and uh, but also the locals. It's it's really uh, takes some shape, isn't it? Yeah, and definitely the water story for Auckland. You know, they've done a really amazing job of like revealing the water story. Yeah, and, and that hasn't really been fleshed out but I so agree that the whole waterfront area was really an iconic transformation process over the last sort of 10, 10, 12 years yeah fantastic so just the parklands the way you can you know you can canoe and kayak into the kind of um, canals and the talk about transport choice you can you so you can kayak to work I think you know when you're not when you're from somewhere you see all the problems when you come and see it you see all the good things you know and Uh, what do you think is the missing link or uh, I've been asking some people and considering you're from Australia and you're not going to get in trouble if you were the mayor what would you fast track so the missing link here is there is 
a lot of talk about accessibility in the public domain and they're doing great at that you know the city's becoming walkable they're removing cars that's fantastic but I don't think there's accessibility in terms of land use so they're not creating land use that is accessible to the rest of Auckland and it is segregating communities and it is you know it is very much a rich and poor there's segregation here and it's obvious you know there's nothing for those people in the city you know the new developments we're creating the land use is not for the whole of Auckland it's not it's retail focused and it's people with money focused so I think when you're densifying I think land use is a real big issue that they're not discussing in terms of how do we create places for all people to come and work all people to come and play all people to come and experience that maybe don't have the money to do so you know so I think that's a big issue here. That's fantastic I'm a big fan of the landscape architecture profession and it's great to have your insights today so it's great that we caught you while you were yeah, in yeah, yeah. Thanks well, so thank much Tamara what all a right. coincidence that we managed yeah, to catch no, you while you were here. Amazing well thank you. you thanks, thanks so much. much and then but there's a, the next change we've got Sean coming in. Hi Sean. You're, you're um you've come all the way north from Invercargill to the big city. Invercargill is about as south as you can get in this country. Pretty much as south as, as you can get. So, but you've come here for work, basically? Uh, yes, I came up here for work. I, um, I like I grew up in Invercargill. I was I originally lived in Christchurch prior to that. So practically exposure to, so practically exposure to practically seeing Christchurch rebuild over the five years I moved up here and obviously grew up in Invercargill, which is practically, like you mentioned, pretty much south and pretty much low, like both have in common low density, low sprawl, because I lived in Lincoln, which is practically, and I was in Christchurch, which is sprawling like crazy. So did you want to come to Auckland? Did you particularly want to be here? Oh yeah, I particularly want to be here. Obviously there's a lot going on up in Auckland, like it's the biggest city, obviously a lot of sign issues happening up like any other city with, with like said, how to compact climate change and how the, the world at seas have. Obviously we've got a lot of projects up, signing projects up here. We've got City of the Rail Link, Eastern Busway, we've got Light Rail on the way. So a lot of exciting things happening which probably attracted me up here. In your day job at, at, at Auckland Transport, of course, yeah. So I'm a graduate planner, so I, jo- I joined as part of the graduate programme in February, so I do rotations around different departments around Auckland Transport, so I started, so so far I've been going around various planning departments, I got, I'm a graduate planner, so I have a, so I've been going around different areas like that, from resource consents to transport planning and now doing some transport, involved in some transport strategy and policy, which is around which is around transport plans a bit of for public transport and a bit of walking and cycling it's a great opportunity you know professionally but what's it like living here as a how many years old eh? 23 i'm 23 how do you find it to live as a person of your age i'm really enjoying it so far it's um it's a very vibrant city i live in the city center which is very a lot going on a lot of different construction happening all that so it's very driving all that's my first I live in a exposure to high dense obviously I live in apartments and so my first exposure to high density living and I'm enjoying it so far enjoying being central to everything sort of deciding my own little 15 minute city around myself it's close to work it's close to it's close to shops it's close to market I got I don't live too far away from Britomart which is so I can catch a train or a bus if I want to and also, for those that don't know Britomart is the the, the central it's, it's the main transport, transport hub, hub. Sort of like circular key in Sydney pretty much yeah. uh, and I very close 
and obviously lost connected cycleways around and I got an e-bike from the beginning of last year which has been really which has been really good I've really been enjoying having an e-bike I'm able to do job go around the city very easily sometimes go and do grocery runs and all that I really enjoy it. it's probably really good to, really good way to unlock really car free living in the city in the city that's fantastic now here's a question for you if you were the mayor what would you fast track what would you what would be the thing that you would push as hard as you possibly can I think on? the first thing I'll push is obviously um, having a more compact city obviously I think obviously experience a 15 minutes city so I'm own 15 minutes city I think everyone should have the opportunity to be able to do that and I think a big thing is to unlock that potential by things like having more density close to public transport at the walking and cycling also unlocking sure we have more cycleways built so people are able to have that opportunity to get around safely able to do their bit to reduce emissions emissions transport emissions is a huge polluter here in Aotearoa so hopefully we could hopefully redu- unlocking that will help unlocking that will help give people more options and help us achieve our targets I'm just sitting here thinking I wish I could talk like that when I was 23 yeah <laughs> tell me about it but Tell we better about. move on to our next, uh, our next and person. Thanks there. so much. It's thanks great so much to see you Thank you for having me. Good on you, tonight. Sean. Thanks so much. Steve, you got to step up. Now, this is an A mark, and remember, it was good to see you again, Steve. We, oh. we met just before. Yes. <laughs> so, where do you fit into the whole Auckland uh, urban nerds kind of what's What's your day job, and uh, what do you want to do when you grow up? <laughs> I haven't got much more growing up to do. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> join the queue, mate. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, I work for All in Transport um, in the public transport network planning, but very much for interface looking forward to two to 30 years, that land use, trying to work out how do we get sort of good development pattern how do we make the public transport work for work for the future so a lot of it is sort of like greenfield's focus and the change and then it's it's probably encouraging the um de- development around the particularly like the train network and things like that so yeah so very much that interface between not just the transport but you know where things are built what's built you know the scale the form function design yeah yeah fantastic yeah. So, steve can i ask you what's your background you know what your the professional quals and things? How did you get into this space? Okay, if you want to know, I started life as an aircraft mechanic. I've been as you do, yeah. <laughs> got made redundant, backpacked around Europe. I'm backpacking around Europe. I picked up um, Jane Jacobs' Death and Life of Great American Cities. I knew someone who did planning. Came back, did a planning degree, did land use consents, and and then moved into transport planning wider sort of tended to get a lot of things focused around public transport and then really with a formation of Auckland Transport, Auckland Council moved to sort of dedicated sort of a more public transport network role. So I was very much involved with the rollout with Anthony Cross with a new network in Auckland. Like me and him were debating most evenings for one or two years the bus network improvements which was all about redesigning it to work with the rail network because we'd brought the rail up to where you could interchange to it 
you couldn't do that when it was a two-hourly service that shuts down at 5.30 at night, which was what it was like. So, yeah. But but that was a tremendous success, of course. It was a huge increase of public transport patronage. Yes, yes, we, we did get a, a big uplift, um, of course, post-COVID. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we cel- celebrated a quite a dramatic, steady increase over time, but that's fallen, fallen away. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, so, two questions then: what What's great about Auckland? What could be better? What's great is I think the, some of the stuff we're doing, you're starting to see see that come through, like you see around the city centre and the redevelopment. Um, and I think CRL, all those stations will underlock a, a more place. So, so you're seeing that. I think we're doing the good urbanism which is coming there. It probably needs to spread its wings a little bit further. So that leads on to what we need to do. Thing is, is about build a good railway network. Let's use the land around it and make that good good urbanism. I live tr- about five k's out of a station, old tram car suburb next to a railway station and a walk-up apartment. You know, like they're the neighbourhoods that need to sort of what we need to get to hum. And what you can't see on a pod- podcast is said with a big smile on your face. Yeah. So something I, you're I, really I passionate actually, about. Like, I was just thinking, you just talk like the everyman about the city stuff. It's great. It's wonderful, you know? Don't don't stop doing that, Steve. Thanks for your time. <laughs> Keep up idea. the good work, Steve. And we got, we still got them coming. Look, it, Rico's in next. Is that right? Nico. Nico. I've got Remco, the Nico's Remco. in Remco. Remco. Yes. Oh, yeah. I wasn't even close. Now, yeah. I'm going to ask, is, is this a, a, it's the 1st of December. Is this moustache just a thing that you do or is it a Movember thing? No, hey. it is a Movember thing and my wife doesn't like it so it needs to come off very rapidly but I thought I'd do a day extra, no? Well, we're yeah. going to be here, <laughs> mate. We're going to be here, you know, yeah. so yeah, yeah. We're a bit scruffy <laughs> at the end of this New Zealand trip but we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about that another time. Now, you've uh, got a bit of an accent. So where are you from originally? I'm from the Netherlands, uh, yeah, originally from the Netherlands. So uh, and I've been here for five years. So, so yeah. the question, the obvious question, what are you doing here? You know. <laughs> so I work for Auckland Transport in the sustainable mobility uh, team, uh, and we do a lot of active modes uh, work. Yeah, so that's that's my my work here. Yeah, and and uh, we've sort of been asking people uh, sort of what's Auckland doing well, but also what can Auckland do better. Uh, and obviously, you've got a, a great background in this, and the Netherlands has got some pretty special. You know, transport cred. Um, but what, what do you, you know, having lived in in the Netherlands and being here, what's what's truly special about Auckland that that makes you want to be here? Oh, I think I think it's a lot of. You know, there's a lot of opportunities here. Of course, it's sort of a... If you would compare it to the Netherlands, it would be a sort of a desert, right? In terms of, 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 of cycling especially, but also kind of walking and other kind of active ways of moving about. But I think I think the genuine way of being able to do things here still and to, to actually also to do it from, from scratch maybe, that is sort of what excites me, excites me here. You know, a lot of the stuff maybe back in Europe is already quite far advanced if you will and here there's uh, obviously for better or for worse you will hear a range of opinions of course uh, tonight but there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunity to do to do things and to do things right here yeah so that's what makes 
me staying here and kind of also sharing the knowledge as well. So, yeah. Fantastic. And what, what could Auckland do better? I've kind of also... You can answer this in two ways. Um, I've been asking people if you feel comfortable. If you were the mayor, uh, what, what would you fast track? But what, what can Auckland do better? And, and what, what are the real... Obviously, a lot of things, because you described it as a desert. Uh, but what are the things that you'd push really hard that's going to see that biggest bang for buck in terms of transformational change? I mean, one way to answer it would be to, to talk about tangible projects. But I, th- I think it's a kind of... A, I think what Auckland could do better is being bolder maybe in in getting the discussion more at a public level where there's a bit more boldness and where there's a bit more imagination as well so i think there's a lot of setback that comes from not wanting to address things maybe always right so there's a lot of consensus seeking here and sometimes you need or sometimes maybe oftentimes you need uh, a bit more boldness in in moving things about or project maybe an imagination of how the city would look otherwise with a bit more imagination and to put that a bit more forward so as a a mayor i would focus on that i would not focus maybe on on tangible projects in that sense or always talk about budgets i would really kind of go with that question what how do you imagine your your city to be in the next five to ten years right so we in the netherlands are a european way of of thinking usually comes again for better or worse always looks maybe uh, a bit more into the future and so we like to be like very thorough in thinking things before and when we're inside it and also into the future so you prepare well right so that's kind of a cultural approach that i would say that 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 i'm more familiar with we respond more to things so we respond a bit more to emergencies and reactive but it also can sometimes miss and there's good and and bad things to say for that but i would love to see people having a bit more imagination into what the future could look like and and yeah so as, as a mayor i would i would do that one thing i would say is when i was uh, you know, when I was in Adelaide as Lord Mayor, everyone used to say, but Adelaide's not Amsterdam. But Amsterdam wasn't Amsterdam either, you know. And uh, in fact, just very quickly, just sort of from the horse's mouth, um, that, that, that transformation process really did sort of start in the 70s and took a little while, but it was a really exciting transformation story. Yeah, so I think, again, it's like really looking... I'm, I always think in sort of three ways, so... One is sort of short-term, reactive. The other one is mid-term. And the other one is long-term. So I think three of these of these time elements always have something to it, right? So I think with Amsterdam, like if we would understand a bit more that history of what of what happened, and it's not Amsterdam actually, it's in the Netherlands. I would say the Netherlands. That's a d- difference. If we understand a bit better the history of where such an evolve, evolving city comes from, and then we'd know a bit how to better to do it into now, and also maybe how to do it in, into the future. So, and I think there's just too little understanding about how these things came about how close they are actually to what we have here some people think that they might some of these histories are 100 years old where in fact they might only be 20 years old or 30 years old so telling those kind of you hear a lot about storytelling of course but that's a really great way of of turning and flipping that reality on its on its head right so uh, i think that's really an important important thing there's this kind of uh, there's this activist called david graber and he explains this American history on how it how it was so successful when nuclear energy made made a flipping 
point. So in the 70s, and he he explains it to those three uh, issues of time as well. So he says when you when you cling yourself to the train as a nuclear activist trying to stop the train that transports carrying the the the, the uranium and stuff like that that comes out of the uh, out of the nuclear power plants, they're always going to stop you and they're always going to get you back off the track because that train will con- will need to continue that day, right? So that's short-term thinking. You can never win. And then the, and then he says about the longer term when you look 30 years into the future 50 years into into the future that's for a lot of people that's very difficult so you can say let's get rid of capitalism right so what that might look like that is we don't know so that's sometimes maybe too imaginative of people so he says you always need to look in the middle term where you maybe talk with people and 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 see how not too far into the future so that people can still realize what's going on and imagine a bit but also to look to not be able to be always pulled off that track as well right so that's the that's that's a, a thing where i think a lot of action can take place so and that's when you practically talk with with people uh, on both pragmatism and and uh, imagination so yeah it's great to have such diverse views yeah, yeah. and this has really enjoyed the conversation so thank you very much George Weeks how are you mate very well good sir. so um, George is sort of um, you know from which part of England you're um, I grew up in Bristol Bristol yeah yeah okay so it's it's interesting as a number of people we've spoken to the Auckland what do we call the nerds uh, urban mafia urban nerds urban mafia who aren't from here, you know? So it's great to get the UK perspective. So, say, so yeah. what brought you here? I've always liked New Zealand. I came here on my gap year when I was 18, many years ago, and I liked it very much and didn't want to leave. And then I came here on holiday about a decade after that and liked it very much and didn't want to leave. And then I received a job offer a few years after that to come and work for what was the Auckland Design Office under Luda Camarid as a specialist urban designer. And I thought, well, no time like the present. And that was six years ago. What makes uh, Auckland so special for you? I think for me, it's a uh, it's, it's a very well-sized city. It's big enough to be interesting and to have a presence on the world stage, but it's small enough to actually get to know quite well. It's it, it can be known in detail, and that for me as an urbanist makes it interesting. You actually get under the skin of it as much as you like. Yeah, fantastic. That's a great. Yeah, answer. What are you I love doing that. now, George? What are you? Me, I, I work for an organisation called Kainga Ora, which is the New Zealand. Uh, well, it's state housing, but it also uh, is to do with uh, land development and enabling development. It's, it's, it's got a huge remit, and it's a very exciting time to be part of that. And your background, uh, urban designer, landscape, uh, landscape architect, or what's your, where did where you start from? Well, I start, my, my, my first qualification, I, I'm, I'm an economist and geographer by my first degree, and I uh, qualified in planning and real estate just in time for the global financial crisis. Oh, good timing. Well done, yeah. <laughs> but then did a fellowship in sustainable urbanism via the Prince of Wales's Foundation for the Built Environment and spent six years doing urban design at Transport for London after that. So I've always been interested in the relationship between transport and the urban form that uh, prevails. Is that the movement in place era? That's where that sort of came from? Yes, yes. That, that, that's uh, adopted in uh, well, Auckland Transport under Roads and Streets framework and the One Network framework under Waka Kutahi NZTA. But yes, TFL had its Mayor's Roads Task Force in 2013 and that was the first real 
systematic London-wide attempt to understand what the roads actually do. I mean, they're the biggest component of public space in most cities, but they're not normally managed systematically. So, George, we'll cut to the chase here. Two things, you know, what's the best thing about Auckland? What's the thing that we, Auckland can do better? The best thing about Auckland, in my opinion, is its geography and climate. It has a wonderful location. I mean, very few cities have the benefit of two coastlines and a climate that is basically pretty benign all year round. That, that, that is huge potential. The worst thing is that in terms of how it's been designed over the past 70 years, far too much attention for general traffic level of service at peak hours. You can derive every single issue from that. That is brilliant, you know, because like level of service what a what a destructive concept that has been you know like that and so it drives poor housing outcomes poor sustainability outcomes poor transport outcomes it's extraordinary isn't it that that one sense of let's let's try and measure something and it's turned every city's upside down it does and and, and the thing is it's very very hard to optimize general traffic level of service because to do so really means getting rid of absolutely everything else and I was thinking about this a little while ago. The, 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 uh, I think the, the, the town in the world with the best general traffic level of service is a town called Ivituit, which is on the west coast of Greenland. And it's, a, it's an abandoned mining town where they used to, man, used to mine cryolite, which is a, a, a component in aluminium smelting. And so it has been abandoned since the late 80s. And the general traffic level of service there is superb, even at peak. But, I mean, is it livable? No. Do people want to be there? No. Has it got a resilient economy? No, it was very much a one-company town. And that, if you take it to its logical absurdity extreme, is what you get. That is what people would say is the best level of service. But, I mean, you can have a city with, with too much traffic or too much to do. Maybe you can edit this bit. Uh, you can have a city which has not enough parking or not enough to do. And... All of the world's best cities have uh, not enough parking, but too much to do. And there is a note to finish on, I reckon, don't you, Stephen? That's it. Yeah, I reckon we we have we have got more people we can interview. But boy, geez, we've we've had heard from a lot of different things. You know, George, it's so lovely to see you. I'm so glad you made it along tonight, and uh, I love being staying in touch via social media. And uh, you know, I love your um, love your enthusiasm and uh, burning sort of desire to make this place better and storytelling. That was great, George. Thanks very much. I just wanted to sort of really make the point, Greg, that, you know, this this has actually been fantastic and I hope hope that people have enjoyed this podcast. But for me, the takeaway is the diversity uh, of the diversity of the professionals, uh, diversity of the answers, uh, diversity of background of people uh, from all over the world, um, but also a shared passion. But also I really like this idea that the urban professionals are mingling and mixing with the urban provocateurs. And they're, they're, um, the level of commitment and care is quite striking isn't it amongst everyone we've spoken to these people care they're here tonight because they care yeah and i think that's something that uh if if i take one thing from this and we've talked about this on on the trip is that we need more communities like this in more cities uh because these people have been able to push from the outside um, and also on the inside to generate a sort of a more rapid change and uh, a better dialogue than just professionals working at it by themselves yeah I reckon we're done, don't you? Yeah. But on that basis, yeah, probably yeah. it's about no, my What show. a lot of fun that's been. Yeah. So these, um, you know, the thing that strikes me about here is that people are wonderful.
wonderful. The people are welcome, they're, they're, they care, they're, they're genuinely engaged, they're just good eggs. Yeah, it's a great country, it's a great city and uh, it's been a really great road trip. We've got one more episode to do and to finish it off, so we're not going to sing at this one, but I am going to say if you listen to the next episode, we're going to sing. So either fast track it, get rid of it, fast forward it, or, or, or tune in. So there we go, we've heard from lots of different uh, people uh, about their um, views of the city, both in terms of age, gender, background, um, what they do for a living. You know, these aren't all professional planners. In fact, I don't think there were many amongst those that we interviewed that were, um, but there are lots of people here who care about their city at Auckland. Yeah, I think that's really important, this idea that cities uh, and city shaping isn't just about the professionals, it's about the community, and this is something that Auckland does incredibly well. That, I think, is an inspiration to other cities about how you can have third-party people engaged and involved. The only other thing I'd sort of say is that that's the only podcast I've recorded with a beer in my hand and uh, happy to do it not necessarily sure I'll do it all the time maybe go the coffee yeah there was something wrong with my glass it kept filling up again every time I emptied it I don't know what was going on there Mine was the, the, there was something wrong with my glass it kept getting empty when it was filled up so yeah, it's about... <laughs> well there you go yin and yang <laughs> yeah for sure anyway so that's Auckland and that was great we really thank everyone who came along and gave us their time to uh, have uh, share their thoughts with us uh, a lot of fun and any feedback on that type of episode or, or doing that in your community would also be great thanks Greg good on you mate